when I first started donating these in the children's hospital, there's this one patient who she had to give herself her own insulin injections and she was 13 and that's really scary. And so she couldn't do without her BraveBot. And as long as the BraveBot was there, she could do it. And the thing that fascinates me about this thing, who is helping who here? I think we're helping ourselves. I think like when this patient who's 13 can, oh, there's my BraveBot, now I can do this. The bot is just a catalyst for them to find it in, within themselves. Hello and welcome to the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Ulrich, founder of the global good news website called The Goodness Exchange. There for a decade, we've been giving millions of people around the globe instant access to what's right with the world. And here on this podcast every Wednesday, you can enjoy fun and inspiring conversations with people whose work and insights we can all celebrate. Today, we're going to talk to an amazing innovator named Gary Hirsch. I came across Gary's work one day when I was talking to another thought leader, and I noticed that during our conversation, she was fiddling with what looked to be a small domino on her desk. And when I asked her about it, she showed me that it had a little cute hand-painted robot on it. And it was kind of a silly little drawing, but she called it her courage bot. Well, of course, that got me very curious, and I dove into the work of this man who made this little wonder, Gary Hirsch. Gary is the founder of BotJoy. It's a remarkable effort to put a little wonder and hope into the world. Since 2010, Gary's created, wait for it, 92,000 of these small dominoes with these beautiful hand-drawn robots on them. Robots of every kind. They're just hilarious and cute and wonderful in every way. That whole story is just part of Gary's magic. Gary is also an expert in improv. You know, you've heard of what comedians do in comedy clubs. Well, turns out improv is a valuable technique in the business world. Yeah, if you want to create something new with a group of people, you need fresh ideas, uh, fresh inspiration, maybe a little bouncing ideas off each other. There's no better way than using improv to make a group come up with inspiring new fresh ideas. And that's part of the conversation Gary and I have today too. Overall, he's just a creative genius. We have a lot of fun. You're going to learn a lot from this interview. There's a lot to celebrate. Enjoy this conversation with creative Gary Hirsch. Hey, hi Linda. How are you? Great to see you. I am so glad we're finally getting to record this episode. I have to share with folks that Gary and I had a pre-call and it was like two kind of insane creatives just vibrating (laughs) (laughs) in each other's existence. Oh, I've been really looking forward to this. You're doing good in the world. You're a creative genius. Oh God, no, that's, you've already oversold me. What do you you say? (laughs) Uh, I once introduced a guy, a guest named David Pearl. I'll put his episode in the show notes because he was, he is such a great creative. And after I finished introducing him, he said, wait, 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 I got to go get my wife. She doesn't know any of this about me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I, I, I I kind of felt that way after we spoke, I was like, wow, maybe I'm cooler than I thought I was after talking to Linda. So uh, I can appreciate that. That's pretty Okay. And this is what we need to do throughout our days is bring others a kind of joy speak up when we think yeah, somebody's... Up them, so thank you for that yes for sure. 
Yes. <laughs> I try and always make people walk a few inches taller after they've been around. Oh, me. I did. Last time we talked. And I'm pretty no, sure. It helped. That's, that's super. Well, I tell you, the real proof of the magic of what you're doing for others and what you've put out in the world is that now you're inviting people to steal the idea. Yeah, that is. I, I need to. I have to, actually. Or, or I'm going to find that this project isn't going to have a life of its own. Because these two hands cannot continue to do everything for it. I'm happy to talk about that because it's a cool yes. story, actually. So, okay, so you know, maybe, take yeah. us, maybe give us just enough of your of your story to appreciate how you got to the stage where you have to say, release Absolutely. this to the world. Sure. So the way to do this is give you a little bit of context. So okay. I kind of divide my life into two different worlds, but they're kind of the same world. So I'll just explain that really quickly. I am a, a, weirdly, a business consultant, but I use an art form to help organizations feel more creative and more communicative and more human, actually. And I use the art of improvisation. So I've studied improvisation my entire life, and I do what's called applied improv. So I use that with companies and with organizations. And that's a whole one world. My other world is as a visual artist, and I've been obsessed with making art and doodling art ever since I was a kid and had these terrible nightmares that drawing helped me survive and thrive through. And those two things have come together for this project I call BotJoy. And BotJoy is the project that I'm happy to dive into around this steal the idea. This is a bot. So I don't know if you can see that or not, but that is a small robot on the back of a domino. That is literally all that this, this is. I drew it. I've got some pens and I sit down and I draw them. Now, the weird part is this is bot number 92,333. Now that is just a bucket load of bots. Right. I know. I've drawn a lot. I've done this for 15 years and I make joy bots and love bots and brave bots. And I try to get them out into the world and they, they have little operating instructions. So like this is a joy bot and it comes with a little sheet of paper and it says, just let this watch you. And when you need some outrageous compliments, it's going to give you some. And so people put them on their shelves or by their desk or they just hold them. And then when they need a little bit of love or joy or goodness, uh, these bots give it to them. Now, I say that in quotes. They're just a drawing on a domino. There's no chip in here where it talks or anything else. But this little idea, this little project has gotten a huge amount of momentum and snowball effect over the last 15 years. And now I've invited the world to take it and steal it. And, you know, that has been, been one of the greatest joys which is to invite others into a process. I'm a huge sort of co-creative junkie, actually. I love making things with other people. So there's so many places we can go from those comments right there. One thing is that people succeed in groups. <laughs> so if you've succeeded this far in having an impact on people's lives, just imagine the impact over the scope of time with a group of people help doing this for each other. I, yeah, and I do imagine it. I imagine it a lot. It's kind of the thing that keeps gets me out of bed in the morning, actually. how The energy, which is how to create something with its own momentum that is helping. You know, So I, the reason I had to do this was because I was making and donating Brave Bots to different children's hospitals here in Portland, Oregon, where I live. And someone got a hold of one of these things and then gave a talk at a child life specialist conference. So these are the folks that help kids navigate through hospitals so they can feel more safe and more emotionally well. And they shared this thing. And the next thing I know, I was getting requests for like, can you send us 4,000 brave bots to our Connecticut children's hospital? And I was like, no, I can't make those. I can't make enough of those things. I mean, it's been 15 years. I got to this number 
And so it dawned on me that I was the bottleneck for something important. And so the next day I just put a, a, a site, a video up on my website that just taught people how to make them. And I literally just said, steal this idea. And now there's hundreds of folks making them different uh, uh, groups, uh, different um, classrooms, different organizations. And the whole idea is think of who in your community needs some help or support or celebration or acknowledgement and what kind of bot would help and make it for them and then get it to them. And now what's cool about this is I don't know that I have to make them anymore because what's important is that they get out into the world and there's many more people than me doing it. So that's the idea behind that steely idea thing. Okay. So you even have a one little story about a hope bot. It was a cancer survivor oh, yeah. and they had rubbed it. They'd rubbed the bot off. Yeah. That just, that just happened. It's funny. Um, it's coming my way there. I did right when we spoke, um, someone wrote me and they sent me this picture of their hope bot and they'd had it for eight years. Now, yeah. you know, these are done with oil paints and we put a protective clear coat on them, but honestly, eight years of rubbing that kind of disappears. And they wrote me and they were like, can you please rehab my hope bot? I've had, I've had this throughout my um, cancer treatment and I really, it's really helped me and it was rubbed down to like nothing. And so I was like, yeah, we can do a little bit of sort of reconstructive surgery on your bot. It may not look the same. She's, I don't care. I just, I need this one. Don't replace it. Uh, I need this one. And I get stories like that all the time. There's, there's a story when I first started donating these in the children's hospital, there's this one patient who she, she had to give herself her own insulin injections and she was 13 and that's really scary. And so, you know, you're going to put a shot, I'm going to put a shot in my own arm at the beginning. And so she couldn't do without her brave bot. And as long as the brave bot was there, she could do it. And the thing that fascinates me about this, this thing, it's great that my art happens to do this, but honestly, who is helping who here? I think we're helping ourselves. I think like when this patient who's 13 can, oh, there's my brave bot. Now I can do this. Right. The bot is just a catalyst for them to find it in, within themselves. Right. So that is the thing that has been so fascinating for me. And actually, honestly, to be vulnerable, I'm personally helpful. I mean, we all have hard times. So do I. It's like, is my hope bot around to kind of remind me that there's hope here and times when it doesn't feel like it. So I think it's weird. I've stumbled across this thing and it doesn't feel like I did it. It feels like I just channeled something that allows people to help themselves and then also to help others. Because if you give a bot to someone, that is a piece of acknowledgement. I want to celebrate you. I want to thank you. Here's a gratitude bot. You know, here's a peace bot to help you feel a little bit more peace. And so it's got those different things. And again, I just want to keep saying, it's not that special. Honestly, it's a drawing on a piece of plastic. But there's something about this idea that has just caught on. And I'm really excited to be, uh, to help it move on, actually. You know, um, have you ever thought about the fact that it's on a domino has some sort of... I do. So, yeah. Tell me about that. That maybe some... Well, it's funny because as a, as a visual artist and someone who thinks about physical objects, this all started because dominoes were after I went through like, do it on a pebble. Some people draw on rocks. I found a piece of tile. This feels really good in your hands. I think it so just good. does. It's got as tactile, big enough to cover it, put in your pocket, solid enough to hold. So it was all tactile. It was all like, this is a great thing to put this on because it feels good. Yeah. But of course, it's not lost on me, this idea of a domino effect. So you start something, you start it small, you start it with passion, you started with conviction. You're not thinking about the outcome. I never in a million years predicted I would A, make this many, or B, have this many other people make them. Wow. 
So that wasn't the goal. The goal was, I like this. This is fun. It seems to help. So that's, yeah, domino effect kind of took took over. Yeah. And there's something about dominoes. Do you, are you buying those kind that would kind of click to get, if you clicked them together, they're. No, um, these are like these jump. It's funny. It's very hard to source these actually. These are like these jumbo ones because of how you hold them. So they're not clickers there, but I actually have some with spinners too. Like they spin them out on the table. (laughs) So I remember being somewhere, some foreign country, I can't even remember. We drug our kids all over the world when they were little. But there was a like a rabid following of dominoes on the yeah. streets, out in the in cafes, just in random places. And they would play dominoes with a kind of pizzazz where they would slam the next one. Oh, down. Right, right. And you know, there was sound and <laughs> fury and passion and I, I i'm thinking that there's some of that in this too that we yeah. all recognize it could be i do know some, sometimes people are like i need the right number i don't even think about the number yeah. on the back but some people get okay. very obsessed okay. about their numbers and things mm-hmm. I, I here's the reason why i think dominoes are so great it's incredibly small little canvas that's not precious so i don't sit here and agonize over making these things and when i help people make their own I'm like, look, your pen might just explode on it. It's going to be a blob. Your domino and your robot do not have to look like mine. And they don't because they look like everything. And that's the idea. A bot is whatever you think it is. And it just happens to be, in my case, this little robot-like thing. How does this uh, resonate with you? So my daughter and I, I'll put up some of these images too. My daughter and I have been making gigantic metal sculptures. I saw those. They're super cool. Is that hilarious? Yes. Since she was 12 years old. I know. I know. It's remarkable. So I was teaching her to weld. I grew up on a farm in in Illinois, and we just had to weld just because you had to keep the farm machinery going. You couldn't call somebody to come repair it every day. So weld it. Weld it. My dad would like run over the acetylene tanks that were six feet tall and then just sit them back up, which is like a giant explosive no-no. That sounds terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, so I started to teach her the proper way to weld by the time she was 12. And, you know, we made a practice out of what we call happy accidents. Weird. So sometimes you get a piece and weld it in place and like, oh, you got the angle just a little bit too wrong. Or right. it's just a little bit the wrong scale that you thought it would be more of the right. Like if we would make a giant life-size horse, if you didn't pick, the, pick these big giant bulldozer sprockets the right size, you know, it would look almost like a cartoon horse, too big, too small, right. something. But in any case, we would always call, talk about happy accidents. Oh, so that we would shows make up them in my up. world. It shows up in my world all the time. Okay. All the time. And that this actually, this, that's the crossover to, like I said, two worlds that are the same. So I work in this other capacity, which is about improvisation. Right. And when you, when you perform improv, many people have seen improv performance, Everything's a happy accident. Mm-hmm. You know, you get a suggestion from the audience. You didn't plan for that. You trip over your shoelace. You didn't plan for that. I'm really interested. And then how do we work together in those uncertainty moments? Mm-hmm. Those, that kind of idea, that's what I call sort of, it's about being co-creative together as you navigate through life. Mm-hmm. It's about supporting each other. It's about being incredible listeners and then using what shows up. The phrase I use a lot, Linda, when you talk about happy accidents is I use this phrase, Everything is an offer because improvisers don't have time on stage to go. Was that good or bad? You just go, great. What can I do with it? You know, when you talk about welding, it's like this happy accident showed up. What can I do with it? So it's like, and I think about that with my artwork. There's no mistakes either. I make big, huge murals, giant murals. Oh, right. And, and I will just simply 
get up there and start drawing. And whatever shows up, shows up. I don't agonize over the plan. Um, the wall itself gives me the offers in the moment. I think that's a fun way to live. Actually. That is a fun way to live. You know, I interviewed a woman and this may be already posted, so I'll make sure it's in the show notes as well. Um, Sunny Brown. Have you ever heard of Sunny Brown? Oh, She's yeah. the woman very famous for doodling. Yep. Um, sure has. Yeah, she's got a great TED Talk. She she lives her life as one continuous mistake. So yep. she is definitely one of the most creative people I've ever met. And she yeah, thinks of, of mistakes almost like a, ro- a rolling along. Because it, when she learns from her mistake, and then she can be a little bit, she can do a little bit different, and she can make a little bit more. And she, and it really does. Um, dis, yeah, it's, does, that's so improvisational. And, and yeah. I think there is something about having an improv mindset. We teach this. I mean, I teach this at On Your Feet, which is the okay. name of the organization that I, that I help run that uses improv off the stage. And it's this whole idea that what does it mean to go through life with an improv mindset? By you notice more out there, you let go of what you thought would happen and you use what shows up. So we've got this tenet, which is let go, notice more, use everything. And I think, honestly, that is something that can help anyone be more happy, productive, thrive, find more joy and less fear in their lives, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is, that is such a great place to pause for just a second. We're going to take yeah. a break and when we come back, we're going to hear more about improv because there's a, there's a lot to that, that, that we all have access to, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. We'll be back in just a moment. You know how the constant negative noise in our digital lives feels like it's reaching a boiling point? Now, many of us have tuned out the news and social media almost entirely. Well, it doesn't have to be that way. There are newsworthy stories about amazing progress, innovation, leaps in human potential, and wonders in the natural world, and they're just not reaching the top of our feeds. We can have access to this, but none of us has the time or maybe even the emotional stamina to search through all the doom and gloom news to find what's right with the world. Okay, enter the goodness exchange. There, we are giving instant access to positive news for curious people. Did you hear about the recent Harvard study that found that exposure to just four minutes of good news can make you 32% less anxious and 18% more optimistic? Well, I don't know about you, but I need those kind of numbers in my life. So if you want to live with more joy and way less fear, it's really simple. First, you join us at the Goodness Exchange. Everyone around the world has the opportunity to access this kind of content. And we've promised no politics for about a decade, so you're safe from all that distraction as well. Second, you allow this new, more positive, balanced worldview to put a spring in your step again. It can change the way you react to your kids, your coworkers, everybody you come in contact with. And the stories we write about can make you the idea person in your circles. These challenging times call for us to wake up and take control of our perspective. The people who use the Goodness Exchange have the ability to react to the harshness of the world much different because they know way more about what's right with the world. And that's a resource. So subscribe to the Goodness Exchange, our YouTube channel and the podcast, and use this content to live a more expansive worldview. It is still an amazing world out there and you can be a part of it. Welcome to the Conspiracy of Goodness.
Okay, we're back with Gary Hirsch, the founder and now the releaser into the world of a project called BotJoy, where he is an artist creative who, you know, well, he does a lot of things that we're going to hear about <laughs> the rest of this interview. But one of the things Gary's done uh, to make the world a better place is he started this great movement with these little robots that he draws. Yeah. There we go. Third one. On dominoes. Yep. And what number are you up to there? Right. Uh, this one is 92,333. I don't even know what that Sounds looks like. Sounds crazy. I don't even know if I've taken many breaths in my life. So probably not. Okay. And, and he also has this incredible life in business teaching, um, I'm, I'm assuming, organizations how to be more improvisational, not to be as married to an outcome, and instead just search for the the opportunity in the next moment is that a decent way of yeah that's great actually i'd like to change my marketing now based on (laughs) that that seems that seems highly relevant um but yes that is that is you know this is all done by happy accident linda i was in i'm talking 25 plus years ago i was an improviser performing here in portland oregon and i was selling my own hand-painted t-shirts something like this except this isn't hand-painted um on the streets and this guy comes up to me and he goes, those shirts are cool. What else do you do? And the guy do improv. And he goes, improv, really? How do you do it? Oh, no, he said, can anyone do it? And I said, yeah, anyone can do it. And then he said, how about 90 ad execs in Tempe, Arizona in three and a half weeks? And I went, okay, because improvisers just say yes anyways to things. Right. Yes. And so the next thing I knew, I was literally teaching an improv class to advertising uh, executives. And that it all snowballed from there because the relevance of how improvisers create, I mean, actually co-create, that's the operative word, on stage, and how human beings need to collaborate and co-create with each other in all sorts of different contexts Mm -hmm. was incredibly obvious in that moment. And it became Mm -hmm. my life's work. Well, that was one of our questions that we talked about in our pre-interview was I wanted to talk about co-creativity we talked about how you help people at a micro level and that can be way macro in their lives or it can lead to places yeah. that are macro. So talk to us about that. Sure. I mean, the work that we do, again, it starts with, if you've ever seen improv, you've got actors who get up on stage and they have no plan and no script. Sometimes they have even no talent. Sometimes that's hard <laughs> to watch. But what they do is they have this sort of audacious attitude, which is about, we're going to try to make something together here that we could never make alone. Oh, by the way, we're going to include the audience too. Audience gives a suggestion. One actor comes on, come up on stage and they're, they're holding a fish. The other actor uh, comes out on stage and says, that's my fish. And next thing you know, we have a huge thing in a fish market about who owns the fish. Now, yeah. nobody planned that. Nobody wrote it. It emerges. And it's a co-creative experience. And it happens because of behavior. These actors, in this instance, are behaving in a certain way. They have some agreements they've made with each other. We like to narrow it down to three pieces of behavior. They are noticing more about each other. They're letting go of their own agenda and they're using what shows up. And I got really inspired by that because A, doing it is exhilarating, but it's completely relevant off the stage. Completely. All right. Because I, I got to remember that. I teach people the four shifts so they can see a better world on the internet. And mine is an acronym. <laughs> Some More than a few people point out. Mine is... Uh, pause, ignore more, seek signs of goodness and progress, and share it. Nice. Well, of course, the acronym for that is P-I-S-S. 
Well, it does fall and apart right there. More than well, more than a few people have have remarked that yeah. they a it's funny enough to remember, <laughs> and b it keeps them from being that way about the world. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I love it. And this does not work as an acronym because there's, okay. there's actually it doesn't. As an acronym, it is N L U. So it doesn't really notice more, let go, use everything. Okay. So, then you know go. what? We're just going to have to live it and then we'll it'll become yeah. habit. That's right. Okay. So you want to play that game? There's this yeah, game. I, I, I thought a good way to show how improv works and why it would be interesting is to play. We could have an experience together. So okay. um, yeah, let's do this, Linda. It's called, weirdly, it's called a Swedish story. Okay. Swedish story. Now, nobody knows why. The, I've talked to Swedish improvisers. They don't have a clue. They have okay. no idea. But um, here, here's going to be your job. In a moment, you're going to give me the title of a story okay. that has never been told before. Okay. I'm going to start to tell that story. But as I do, Linda, you get to interrupt me. Just literally like raise your hand. I'll pause for a moment. And you yell out a word that has nothing to do with the story I'm telling. Okay. Right? So I'm talking about a truck driver. You don't yell out truck. You yell out, I don't know, bagel, something. So okay. something different. And my job, and we won't do this for too long. It just will show you how, and then it can, it'll help us understand this a bit more. My job will be to use it. I can't okay. sit there and judge it, decide I don't want it. I just have to use whatever shows up. Okay. Okay. So okay. do you, how about a title? Is this hard for you? Or tell me if it is. Uh, the title of a story that has never been told before. You have um, one? The cat with a blue tail Great. stole is, the cookie. Or the cat with the blue, yeah, stole the cookie. Stole it? Stole it. Okay, great. Cat with the blue tail, stole stole the cookie. I'm going to start telling that story. I'd like you to let me get a little bit going and then interrupt me with a word. I'll incorporate it. Let me go in a bit more. You know, you do this like four or five times and we'll find an end. Okay. 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 Cat with the blue tail, stole the cookie. Great. Linda was an artist. She was also a cat owner. And she had a ton of cats, but they were all white. And she would get into her studio and she would start painting with all of her different colors. And one day, one of her favorite cats, Muffy, walked across where she was painting and dipped its tail into the blue paint. Anytime, ladies. Gas can. Um, This was concerning. That paint had been mixed with gasoline to be even more uh, volatile and and to disappear after a long period of time through evaporation. And uh, she got very, very upset. Cotton candy. And uh, so she grabbed what she could. Cotton candy was the first thing. And before that cat's tail lit on fire, she patted it and got it all the paint off of it. it couldn't live. Of course, it was on the cotton candy now. And while Tapioca. She was Sorry? Tapioca. And while she was paying attention to the cotton candy, the cat got into the cupboard. It ignored the tapioca box and went right to the chocolate chip cookie. And I don't know how it did it with no deposable thumbs, but grabbed at least three cookies and ran across the painting again. This happened throughout the entire day until uh, there's a ton of food out in the studio and the Mouse cat had, tra- had tracked across it so many times that it almost looked like a mouse trap. Indeed it was. Mice were getting trapped in the paint as well. By the end of the day, there was a spontaneous painting that was made by mice and her cat that she sold for $12 million on eBay. The end. There you go. Thank you. You're a nice audience. Well done, by the way. So. If you just examine that story, which was totally weird, here's what I would say about it. There's no way I could have made that up by myself. No. And there's no way you could have either. That is a piece of co-creation. Nobody gets ownership right. of that story, of that product. 
we did it through some different things. The, the words you yelled out, you were just like grabbing them out of thin air and you didn't judge them. You were like, is this good or bad? Or what do they, what do they think of me? So you're a little vulnerable. I took those words and I did something that improvisers do all the time. I accepted them. I didn't go, oh, uh, no, actually, you already said cookie. So why say tapioca? Those are two sweet things. I didn't. I was just like, great, use it. There's no time to be judgmental. Use what shows up. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, one of the byproducts beyond the story itself is a piece of delight by surprising each other. Like you were laughing. I was having a great time wondering what you were going to give me next. And so we create something together that we couldn't have created by ourselves that gives us quite an uplift, actually. Yeah, right. And there's a lot going on there. And you can apply that to all sorts of things, including uh, a business context, including a, how you create something, a new product, a new service, a new piece of marketing. Yeah. All that stuff is applicable. Mm. It's lovely. Uh, it feels like you've given us kind of a, a kind of a, a a new tool for the toolbox because you know we're all trying to co-create our way right out of the wackiness <laughs> that the pandemic brought us into. And I, I don't even know. I, I'm certain that it's not um, it's, it's not a good goal to have expectations for what comes next. Like talk to me about expectations because this is our downfall. I think expectations are the source of so much unnecessary struggle. Oh, it can be. I mean, look, you, I don't know how deep we want to go. I, I was just telling you that I spent five days with my son at a re, uh, mindfulness retreat with yes. Eckhart Tolle, of all people. Mm-hmm. And this is really deep when we get into that idea. This whole idea of how are we living our lives? Is it in the present moment right now and dealing with and responding what shows up? Or are we constantly in a future state of casting into the future and then creating a lot of stories and actually a lot of suffering? ourselves because there's nothing we can do about anything in the future. The only thing we can do about anything is in the now and that's now. Right. So this whole idea of expectation, I think, it, yes, I think there's a lot to be said here. One thing I would say about expectation, good or bad, I think it's got some both going on. But one thing it does do, if you live constantly in a state of expectation, how are you living in the present moment? Mm-hmm. Tolle says the only thing that's real is what's happening right now. Everything else is a mind construct. Right. You're thinking about what happened in the past and you're planning for the future. Mm-hmm. And in just to speak really personally, I find that that does cause suffering. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it, yeah. does this relate at all to this grief light that you talk about? <laughs> we talked about the grief light. I'm not sure if it's about past or present. I, I, I think we talk about this idea. I do believe that. I think it does, actually. So if you think about it this way. Anything that you want will be gone. You love a sandwich, it's over, right? It's gone. Everything's temporal. It's only only for now, as the song from Avenue Q, and if you know that musical, comes out. Yes, yes, yes. So what does that mean? I think here's what I've noticed lately. And again, I'm not sure how related this is or not, but it's just a random idea. I think it's really easy for human beings to share things that are positive. Like when things are great and happy, we are laughing and we're laughing together. Everything is like, oh, my God, you too, and love you. Yeah, so that's very socially acceptable is to be happy, actually. It's not so socially acceptable to not be happy, to be sad and to grieve. And I think about grieving in terms of big big G, little g. There's some big Gs out there for grieving. This is about the death of a loved one. This is about a huge loss. I get it, and that is big G. But I think we sometimes ignore little g. Little g is like, there's the sandwich. It was really good, but now it's gone. Yeah. So it's gone. And I think there's a lot of little G's out there, but we hide it. Anytime someone is sort of grieving, what do we first, what do they do? We cover it up. 
We want to, we don't want to show it. It's uncomfortable. So I was thinking about this just randomly about this idea of a grief light. What if we all had just on our shoulder a little light that showed in its intensity how we were grieving at the moment? And again, you can take the word grief and go, well, it's not about a sandwich. We're not grieving about a sandwich. I'm using it as a little G. And I think we would find that a lot of us are grieving about something always. Mm. And wouldn't it be lovely to know that? Because I could be even that much compassionate for someone I don't know because their light's on. Right. And so this was just some random thinking that I've been having around how we relate to each other. Uh, so, yeah. Well, that so much goes with that whole notion of everybody's carrying a burden. Just some people are carrying it better than others for the moment. Yeah. But it's very hidden often. Those, right. And again, what I would say is we're all grieving for something, whether we know it or not, I believe we are. And because everything's temporal, it gets back to that idea that's only for now. You know, um, one of the things we talked about, uh, I've got some questions that I wrote down over here. We talked about leaving room for serendipity. Chance favors the prepared mind. Who said that? Pasteur. Do you have any really good stories about how chance favors the prepared mind or leaving room for serendipity? Like that kind of ties in with everything we've just talked about. Honestly, I got to tell you, I think all the most important things in my life have been that. Really? Um, the way that I started on your feet by having just some random guy ask me if I would do this in Tempe, Arizona. That was because I was just available to meet a stranger. Right. And we started a business together. Um, the way that I met my first wife was really, really similar. I think there's something about, you know, some people have said to me, or you, you can use this phrase, like, you're really lucky. I think you get yourself in position to be lucky. Mm. I do think that's about openness. Yeah. You know? Yes. I think that's about, am I going to try to stay safe? I think this quote might be the most helpful way to think about this. There's a guy named Keith Johnstone, who's one of the godfathers of improvisation. He recently passed okay. away. Um, okay. And I was so lucky enough to work with him. And here's what he says. There are those in the world that say yes, and they're rewarded by that. And there are those in the world that say no, and they're also rewarded by that. Okay. So they're rewarded by the yes people, are rewarded by adventure. And the no people are rewarded by safety. Okay. So if you want to have more serendipity show up, that's an adventure. You have to put yourself into position for that. Right. And honestly, that's about saying yes more. That's about adventure. And if you want to stay safe, which by the way is completely appropriate and completely fine, then say no more. You will stay unchanged. It's about change or not change. I think they're pretty related. Serendipity. Mm -hmm. Is joy, do you think, a, a state of mind that you could bring to almost any place where you are? Like, um, a lot of people are like seeking joy. Yeah. Or seeking happiness. Yeah. And, you know, I think that like happiness or joy is something you probably decide upon ahead of time. I am still, that's a really good question. And as my life evolves, as I get older, I think I've got different sort of takes on that. I do sometimes find myself saying, you know, does it matter what I am doing? Well, yeah, because like if I'm on a boat being seasick for nine hours, that does matter, right? <laughs> it's very hard to find joy in yeah. that circumstance. That so let's just decide that's true. It's like, no, you can't find joy everywhere. Right. However, is it about what's happening externally? Is it about your own approach of curiosity and wonder? Mm. I do think, you know, you can drive to work the same way every day and never notice something new. 
or you can drive to work the same way every day and always notice something. That is a choice. Okay. At the top, I mentioned an episode about a, a really great creative from London called David Pearl. And he has something that he calls street wisdom, where he asks people, I'd love to get your take on this because yeah. you're an artist and a muralist and you do a lot. I'm assuming that at least some of the images I've seen is, is your work outdoors, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I do a lot okay. of work. I'm okay. public, sure. So David Pearl has this thing. You can find it on the internet and I'll put the episode number in here. He calls street wisdom and the worldwide wonder where he encourages people to just walk out into the street and he takes you through this, this little, just sort of a, a loosening up your mind, opening up your mind. And then he wants you to just go out and take a walk with a question. It could be something like, like uh -huh. I just recently did it with the question, what's next for Dr. Linda? I mean, it can oh, be like cool. a heavy question yeah. or it can be, what should I cook for dinner? It, you know, anywhere in between. And if you walk out into the world, I'm in the middle of the woods in Vermont, but he's mostly talking to people in Berlin and Singapore and all these, that the street will speak to you. Really? That the things you see, you can find beauty in a dropped wrapper, the way it's folded and the way the dew is on it or whatever. It's really quite extraordinary. And now that you're reminding me of it, it's like taking a walk in an improv mindset. It is. I would literally say that. You are inviting I think there's something about slowing down, by the way, which is not okay. an aspect we've talked about. So I think there is a place for how you slow down. My dear friend, Robert Poynton, um, who I started on your feet with, author of many amazing books, one on improv, but also one called Do Pause. What's the power of pausing and noticing more? Okay. I do think what you're describing is like, everything is an offer. So what's the offer in my context of this question of that wrapper on the street, of that crumpled up wrapper. Yeah. What can I what can I do with it? What does yes. it remind me of? What's oh wait, it's crumpled up. Maybe I should destroy something to start something new. Yes. Right? It's like I, I, I'm a big fan of this idea, which I think is related, which is there's really no new ideas anymore under the sun. It's just new combinations. And so yeah. yeah, your question with a piece of potential trash on the street, what's yeah. that create? What's the combination that creates? That's why I think for me, the idea of improvisation and visual art, it's just a weird yes and. It's a combination. Mm. These are not separate things. Mm -mm. Both are ways to explore how you can make things with other people. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I think joy lies. Mm. So yeah, I think they're related big time. Okay. So I wrote down this quote. You, you said something to me in our pre-interview that I just loved every word in it as they all nice. came together because it made me think of something that your bots are probably touching at. So you said the great purpose for my work is so people can feel more joy with each other in community. And of course you can't have improv without others. So you're in community right from the get go. And then you say, can we use my little bots to feel connected to the earth so that the inevitable griefs don't feel as lonely? Oh my goodness. I actually said that. You actually that's said that. Pretty darn deep and I can't remember. But okay, I, it does resonate for me. So I'll pretend like I remember saying that. Talk um, to us about community and loneliness and what you see about things like improv and art and yeah. just creativity in general. Well, it's funny because I do think we as human beings, I'll just speak for myself. I can't speak for all humans. I am compelled to make things. Now we all have reasons to do that. When I was 
seven years old, I had such terrifying nightmares that I have to wake my dad up every night and he would bring me down to the kitchen and then he would invite me to draw my nightmares. And so I draw these incredible monsters and ogres and villains and they were terrifying. And my parents saved these drawings. So I have them now. And what I realize now in retrospect, what was happening there was we were creating community around something I was very afraid of. Fear to me is part of a human existence. It's either real or you think about it's coming. You talk about this about expectation. In my experience, making things with other people helps me feel a less, less little bit, and sometimes a lot of it, less afraid. Mm-hmm. And so you know, loneliness, I think, can manifest itself in fear. All these things are related. But when I am on stage with other people, when I am in community with other people, it's not to say I don't like to be alone. Y'all need that. Y'all, I think, should find a way to do that in a more healthy way, if we're not. But I am more surprised by myself when I'm with other people than I am when I'm alone. I'm like, mm. wow, what just happened here? Yes. You saw me in a way that allows me to be surprised by who I am. Oh, so, that is so huge. Yeah. In a well-run business meeting where, you know, we don't really know each other so much in a real one business mode meeting, when you feel that, that moment right there, where others bring out something or recognize something in you that you didn't even recognize in yourself. Yeah. It's, it's like such a catalyst. It's a one plus one equals 11. It does. I, I love that, that you use that. I think that is how these dynamics work. And I think there is a bit of letting go. It's more let go to use everything. You have to let go a little bit of your own self-image. Here's who I think I am. But other people see you differently. And are you available to at least entertain that what they see might be true? Mm-hmm. We do this. It's funny. We have an experience at the end of a lot of our workshops called the compliment game. Okay. And the compliment game is really simple. The goal is to give, not get, as many compliments as you can in the next three minutes in a room full of, let's say, 60 people. Yeah. So people run around and they give each other compliments. And they're like, you know what? You are so supportive of me and you were an amazing backer of my ideas in the last meeting, whatever. They're giving each other compliments. I like your glasses, whatever they are. So you have them give all these compliments and then at the end, people are beaming and they're laughing and they're hugging and it's beautiful because we don't do that a lot. Yeah. And then what you say, I say, or we sort of facilitating this experience for us, find the people say, all right, now we'll pause you there. Imagine if everything they said was actually true and people are like, oh, and the reason why they do that is because they don't, we often don't believe that those things are true. Yes. We actually don't believe the positive and the goodness in ourselves. I have a hard time with it too sometimes. No matter how many things I've made or put on the world of people I've helped, I have moments of like, am I a good person? And it is lovely to be reminded of that. Mm. All right. That brings me to one of the last subjects I really want to get to is, um, when after I hung up the phone with you, I, I'm a doodler. Oh, I wish I could show yeah. you. I went to a fabulous, uh, I'm on the board of Vermont's largest agency on aging. So yesterday was our big annual meeting. And, you know, it's a, it, it's a board meeting. Sure. So I'm a doodler. So I filled this whole entire page with the notes in doodle form, like in picture form. Yeah. And I kept seeing the person sitting next to me looking over at what I was doing. And and I could tell, I don't know. I had this feeling that she was disapproving because of course she was, she couldn't see what I was writing. 
And I was writing words like, you know, uh, all the words that were being said in the meeting. And I was even taking notes this way. So I had this moment where I thought, oh, this is just, I'm talking to Gary tomorrow. This must be a, a technique that we could use what Gary's doing to sort of take our rumination. You know how we all, we, our mental chatter can be so negative. Oh, do I ever? To your point, right? You're telling yourself you're not this, you're not that. Then you go to a meeting and you're forced to have 60 people give you a compliment and your little rumination brain is, it's kind of like the reset. Oh, you're throwing me for a loop. Right. Yeah. So I can imagine when you're doing, like, is there a way to use what you're doing in our everyday lives? Now you're, you're making these creative little things on dominoes, but it, could you see a way that we could guide our ruminations a little bit more positively by, by doodling, drawing, doing pieces of art? Sure. I mean, there's a whole else. school of therapy that just says, just draw the things you are worried about. Mm. However terrible of an artist you are, because you are at least giving it an outlet. Like yeah. oh. there's this whole idea in Buddhist tradition of samskara, where you get things stuck in your body, you get things stuck. Like how do you get things unstuck? So I do believe, and I think I just do this all the time. I mean, I have huge stacks of drawing pads that are full of doodles and I do it because I have to, I don't, can't even tell you why. Like I don't do it because someone hired me for an illustration project. I just draw. And that's my thing. People walk, they sing, they hike, they do their thing. But I think it's about releasing that. And I actually also think that I'm just a better listener when I doodle. But as an aside, it seems to me if anybody is judging you, for doodling, you can kind of go, yeah, but I can tell you everything that somebody just said that. because I've, I did. I got in trouble in, in sixth grade all the time because I was doodling. Gary, yeah. pay attention. I'm like, I am. It just happened to be with monsters on the side of the page. But I do think there's something about having an outlet mm-hmm. for those things. To I don't get, know if you're a Harry them. Potter fan, but um, Harry Potter hit the world right when I was raising my kids. So we did every book on tape through the Harry Potter series. Oh, yeah. And there is this, I think of doodling sometimes or art or improv art just as sort of like the pensive. So if I'm being pensive about things and I, and I swirl that negative thought around this pen and then I put it to paper, it's like I'm taking that negativity and putting it somewhere. You know what? It, It rings so true from that early childhood nightmare drawings that I can't argue that for a minute. It's mm-hmm. had an immediate and profound impact on my life. That idea ever yes. since I was young. Yeah. Lovely. I, I encourage people to try it. Okay. So as we wind down here, talk to me about um, what you really wish people knew. I'm sure you look at the strife in the world and once in a while catch the news or social media and you just want to be like, Oh my gosh. I, I try to not look that much. That's <laughs> I know. I know, I mean, but it's, really, it's it's really true. I, I mean, I I am not a huge ingester of news. Um, I have to use social media as part of what I do, but I try not to be on it too much. So yeah, so so, so sometimes is- though we're all taken aback by our brush with the harshness in the world, right? And yeah. what and I have my own thing that I I respond to that with. What if you just had two or three minutes or what have you? Talk to us about what you really wish people knew, like in the end. Yeah, it's a great question. I think having a more of an improv mindset, I wish people knew that, like I said before, the present moment is what's really real. Yeah. I wish people really felt that and believed it. I think we would stop and myself, I see this a pep talk from me. I'm not saying I do this well, but I wish they really understood that because we cause ourselves so much suffering 
by thinking about what could happen and then going through all these stories, each scenario. Most people knew that the present moment is where sort of the, the relief is actually. So that's one thing. And I think the other is, is that you can see everything as an offer if you choose to. So when you get rejected, what's, what can I do with that? What, what did I learn when something happens in the way that you didn't want it to you? What, yeah. What's the offer here? And sometimes it's hard to find. And sometimes that offer doesn't show up for months right. or years. What's the offer of the, the painful uh, breakup or mm -hmm. what's the offer here? But I think there's magic in looking because beyond, if you don't look for the offer, you just stay a sort of victim of the effect. Those would be two things. Oh, that, and that, I, I don't want to miss that last little five words. You become the victim of the effect if you don't look for the offer. That is such a powerful little phrase right there. None You're of right. us want to be the victim. You know, right? No, you don't. No, but and we all understand that cause and effect are operating in our lives almost every single minute. Yep. So if we just sort of release ourselves to the spontaneity of wherever our brain takes us next, if we can keep it going in a positive direction, there's probably a whole world of of different kind of learn learning yeah. and or living. Even just keep asking, what can I do with this? Yes. Positive might be too high of a bar. Yeah. What can I do with this right? Now person's right. like, hey, it's great. I just got fired. That's probably a high bar. Mm -hmm. And you got to allow yourself, what's the offer of feeling miserable about it? But what's the offer here? What can I take and use? If you keep that going, I do believe there's some relief for that pop sense. Well, we're going to end right there. That is a magical way of thinking. And when I say magic, I mean, it propels us. It allows us to leap into the next the moment. moment with fresh eyes, wherever that may be. They might be eyes full of tears. It allows us to get unstuck and move on in some direction. Yeah. Okay. Right. So this has been just a fantastic conversation. I know I, I want to send people your way for what you do in the business world. Sure. How do they yeah. connect with you on that? That's easy. Uh, it's the company is called on your feet. We've got a really easy website to remember. OYF.com. So we got a three letter URL early days. We've been doing it for a while. So OIF.com, you can find all sorts of things about how improv can help in your business or within mm -hmm. business of someone you know and how we use it. Yeah. So that's one. Dog bark. Uh, and then Botjoy is botjoy.com. So that's those are two places you can find. Lovely, lovely. Well, thank you so much, Gary Hirsch, for sharing this this new little landscape that has been sitting there, obviously created by you and all the people you've gotten into contact with. I thank you for sharing it with the Conspiracy yeah. of Goodness podcast. Oh, thank you, Lena. Thanks for the great work you're doing as well. I love all it. All right. It's well, fun. I want to remind people that we have just reconstructed the Goodness Exchange YouTube channel. And there you can find, you will be able to find um, small snippets of this interview, a lot of little moments of wonder and insight. And you'll there'll probably be a mini course or two there with Gary's insights. So join us at the Goodness Exchange for this daily dose of goodness and wonder. Um, I'm going to remind people, if you hear, hear me speak ever, you know that I talk about this Harvard study that was recently done that found that exposure to just four minutes of positive news can make you 32% less anxious and 18% more grateful. There four minutes? Come on. We got to worry about our worldview as much as we do about our abs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't worry at all about my abs, which I probably should do. So there you Easy go. Easy enough. I, I will improv our way into a better 
abs. But Better you can't abs. improv your, well, I think you probably can improv your way into a new worldview. Well, thank you, Gary. Have a great day. And um, I you. hope the insights that Gary and I have brought to you this week give you a spring in your step. And then we'll see you next Wednesday with another episode of the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast. Thanks.